0: Hi
1: everyone, my name is Trish, the core Behavioral Therapist, and I'm here with an up-and-coming artist and, in my opinion, a rising star, Debbie Dawson. How are you, Debbie?
2: I'm good. How are you?
1: Thank you. I'm good. I'm good. Um, so this podcast is called The Core Behavioral Therapist and me and you spoke a little bit about it. So I know Debbie. She's my friend from church and um, I've really seen Debbie. What you just heard actually was her song called Red Chevy and it's on Rico Love's album. R&B. Yes,
2: Rico Love presents Emerging Women of R&B.
1: I love it, Rico Love Presents, Emerging Women of R&B. And this song is so great. I mean, Debbie's really, really talented. Um, so I had the pleasure of meeting Debbie um, a long time ago, maybe a couple of years ago, I wanna say two or three years ago at um, a mutual friend's house. And she was there with her laptop making music. And I said hi to her and she said hi, like a mouse. <laughs> Didn't say anything <laughs> else after that like an hour and a half she sat <laughs> in, in a room full of people she sat there with the laptop in front of her and in hindsight you know i really seen her come out of her shell and i have to ask you debbie um about social anxiety and yeah different things how did you come out of that what made you emerge from the woman i saw you as to someone who's singing making music producing writing um being on a major album
0: well yeah what,
1: what turned around for you
2: um basically it was i had just moved to san francisco and so right before that like i was i moved from minnesota so when i was in minnesota right before i left i was just really tired of the way i was living i think i realized like i was living um I realized that I was living the same quality of life as like a cockroach and, yeah like if someone knocked on the door I'd like scurry upstairs I look around just come down to look for leftovers in the kitchen <laughs> um but um
0: <laughs>
2: yeah I was just inside all the time I was in like a self-imposed uh self-isolation like this is pre-quarantine and everything and I lived like that for a few years and I just got really tired of it and um I mean there was like there was I had dreams and like things I wanted to do and accomplish but I felt like this was really stopping me and it was really um hindering me from having a life like I didn't have a life I was just at home all the time
1: yeah what was that switch um
2: it was it was just getting kind of Fed up and just realizing that I've lived so many years so far and I don't want to die like this. Like, I don't want to reach the end of my life and this be my everyday. Just me like this every day. Yeah.
1: Real deep. You don't want to live your life like this. Um, mm-hmm. You want to die like this. When you start like ruminating or thinking about that kind of stuff, death, um, that's some pr- pretty serious stuff. Real serious. Um, mm-hmm. So that tiredness. What made you actually take the steps out of your room to do things? Um,
2: music was very, very in, um, instrumental in that. Excuse me. No, no pun intended. <laughs> um, um, yeah, so I started writing songs and like not showing them to anybody and just keeping them really private. And I don't know, I finally once made a video of me singing. And I put it online, but yeah. I didn't. I didn't put it on my account. I made a separate account, as like a secret account. Yeah. So it's actually um, my account that I have right now, my music account. Debbie Dawson, shameless plug. D e b b i i Dawson. Oh, <laughs> yes.
1: What's your Instagram?
2: Follow me um, at Debbie Dawson.
1: So D e b b
2: i i Dawson.
1: Okay. Hope you guys.
2: And, so, you. and yes. she's nice and she's single. <laughs> yes. Yes. Thank you. I'm sure my parents appreciate that club. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah. So I made this um, this account, and it was actually I started as like a secret anonymous account that nobody knew about, and so I put that video there, and then like um, like I would put videos and like not show my face or anything, and then um, I think. I started getting attention from like straight straight away from from people um like Grammy award winning producers and like managers and like mm-hmm. and A&Rs and so um that was very encouraging. Yeah. Cool. And
1: um your voice, your voice is so beautiful like when I first Thank you heard so much. you yeah, when I first so heard you she I heard was, you, she she was like said, what? <laughs> I was like, I mean, has no one discovered no one this girl yet? Like, yet? Like, but it, it sounds, sounds like that's what like
0: that's anxiety like, did for um, you.
2: Yeah. yeah. And also, a very, like, one of the things that made me switch and it was kind of very convicting for me is that, um, is that kind of conversation that I had to tell
1: myself. It's like, I mean, what that conversation was like?
2: Yes. Um, So basically, this was like my everyday and I would play. So I was writing songs and keeping for myself, recording them and not showing them to anybody. And um, I think like I like heard myself say like, this is very selfish of you. Um, And I think that God gives us gifts and talents. And they're not meant for us. I think that he gave them to us for other people and to benefit people and, and we also benefit from them, yeah, you know, yeah. as an overflow. But I think that like, if you think about light, um, like light is shining, but if you like cover it up, yeah, or you yeah. put it in like, um, in like a box, it's shining, but it's not illuminating. Yeah, so like yeah. me writing and recording, like I'm shining, but I'm not illuminating. I'm not sharing that. And so it's not having an impact, and so I felt I was so I had to tell myself you're being very selfish right now and so it's very um, yeah it's very humbling
1: That's awesome. Mm-hmm. the fact that you had to tell yourself that this is selfish and that you also believe in God and God told you God spoke to you this is that's pretty powerful that mm-hmm. we we'll would call it like a come to Jesus moment or a spiritual yeah moment. definitely. That's pretty awesome. Oh, my goodness. Um, So you came out of that. So with everything that's happening right now in the world, especially with Black Lives Matters, COVID-19, how are you coping with everything that's happening right now? So I'm I'm Indo-Caribbean, and that means that I'm Indian, but my parents were born in the Caribbean, and you're also South Asian, so we both have. Indian, 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 Indian. Indian. you yes. Indians, basically, um, but I was born in New York City, New Jersey, Jersey. You were from?
2: I was born in Texas, Denton, Texas. Okay. Cool. cool.
0: Yeah. And then, then Texas, you,
2: yes. went, you went. Oh, I moved a lot. So from Texas, um, right after, like when I was born, my parents were in a music group, their own music group, traveling. So they were kind of like on tour and stopped for my mom to have me. And then we also traveled on the road for the next couple of years and like lived out of our van and then we just traveled around. And then we lived for a bit in Minnesota, yeah. Uh, Tennessee, Texas, New Jersey, mm-hmm. uh, we did a little bit in Colorado, we were, ended up in Switzerland and Germany,
0: wow. so kind
1: of wow. a little bit of everywhere. I did not know that. I know that about- <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, so you moved around a lot, um. Given your history, history um, you're in San Francisco now. um, Mm -hmm. And you've been there for a couple of years, I think now, right? Or went back and forth. Okay. So how is the Black Lives Matter movement? How has this affected you? You know, being a woman of color yourself, how has this affected you?
2: I think um, the first growing up and ex- having these experiences with racism um, and not just me but my family as well and um, like whenever we would want to speak up about it or just get so tired and frustrated like to a breaking point and want to say something like we would always be like tell each other like warn each other be careful you know and, and there was never that freedom to speak about it and so it's kind of always racism was something always kind of very hidden you don't really talk about it out in the open and so with everything that's going on right now it is very liberating and um to talk about it finally I think the first week that it was happening it was like I didn't realize how much healing that I needed from um from these experiences like I kind of just brushed brushed them off yeah and um yeah so I think for me as a woman of color it's this, these past few weeks have made me realize the healing I needed. They've also, um, I've been going through lots of emotions, just sadness, grief, and a lot of anger, and um, learning ways to channel these things. And I think it has pushed me and um, um, given me, like, a new boldness to, um, to speak up for people and to, to educate people into yeah, yeah, and to not be silent because knowing that sharing experiences and sharing perspectives can change if it can change at least one person that's still changing the world. You yeah. know what I mean?
0: No,
1: I totally get it. Um, I feel the same way too. I feel like I'm so much more outspoken now more for uh, my black brothers and sisters um, more than ever before. I felt like I was mm-hmm. an advocate, but yeah, um, In that sense, I feel like I have privilege because I always, well, I do have privilege, much more privilege than black Americans in this Mm -hmm. country. And um, you're speaking up now, you said. Now, you're from, you spent a good time in in Minnesota? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's where where George, like what's, so yeah, tell me what you're feeling seeing your home state or
2: what have you where you've been for sure. Um, I'm right there right now. I'm with family right now visiting. Um, So I spent over half of my life here, growing up in Minnesota and not in the Twin Cities, which is the Minneapolis-St. Paul area, um, but um, a little bit west of there, so in the country. Um, I think we all knew like and there is always microaggressions and sometimes just
1: plain aggression. Um, yeah, now it's like macroaggressions. I think I saw. Yeah, uh, yeah I saw a recent uh, actress. And, uh, yeah.
2: Yeah. So from things like people staring at you, not making you feel like you belonged in the room with them, to just straight up calling you the N word, um, and yeah, just stuff like that. Um, lots of experiences. Like both my my dad and my brother have had guns pulled on them by police officers on separate occasions.
0: Wow. I'm so um, yeah.
2: Thank you. Um, yeah, lots of, like, lots of stuff. And, I mean, I can share more if you want, but.
1: Yeah, that's, please do. This is cathartic. This is, you know, some people out there, too, are listening to this and are going through exactly what you're going through, maybe also different emotions, too. So please share, share away.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, so just experiences like that. And it's like, one that I'm thinking about a lot right now, and that I haven't seen a lot is, but I'm sure a lot of people feel this, is just uh, with racism, like, when, and I think you kind of mentioned something, when we had a conversation before online, is that when a person of color moves to a white neighborhood, Mm -hmm. it's, it's almost like the real estate value goes down just because you yeah. moved there. Yep. And I just yeah, it's I'm so dumbfounded yeah. by that. <laughs> yeah.
1: I remember when my parents built our house, our house Jersey, the neighbors. A there. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. pretty um upper middle class neighborhood in the suburbs mm-hmm. of Jersey. But yeah, that that happens. Yeah. It's it's all systemic racism, right? Yeah.
2: Well, yeah. It's yeah, it's terrible. Right. Yeah, so that's something that's been bothering me lately. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um,
2: but yeah, so Minnesota, just that's how it was. And so the phrase in Minnesota is like, you know, like New Jersey is like the garden state, you know, Right. in Minnesota, there's a phrase called Minnesota nice. And it's just like, people are very sweet and hospitable and very, like, nice to you. Yeah. But we had a joke with our family, like the Minnesota not, <laughs> the Minnesota not nice. And it's <laughs> Oh, no. It's not funny, but.
0: <laughs> I mean, <laughs> um, so I apologize about no, it. I
2: no, meant, I meant like it's not a funny joke. Like.
0: Right.
2: There's, yeah, it was a bad joke, I meant. No, no,
0: but, no. It was a family inside
1: joke. For real, right? It was a family inside joke.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just people being polite to you, but then politely saying something like terrible, like when are you going back? You know, just like after you tell them you're from Texas meaning like when are you going back to your country (laughs) and things like that but I mean that's on the polite side of what people have said but um yeah and I think currently like at the moment the climate is still is very tense yeah I think the the riots have pretty much stopped throughout throughout um the country there's still protests going on
0: yeah
2: but there's still like a soreness and like a um um animosity in the air like going out to the store it's really awkward and uncomfortable and like people stared at us before yeah. but now they look at you and are like what's going on is your fault kind of like that really
1: and,
2: yeah i know where you're at in minnesota yeah wow i think it's pr- probably like that pretty much throughout um like we even had a i don't like i don't know because we didn't have a conversation with him but like a man following us in his car when we're driving like turn around like for a good few minutes um but yeah just feeling a little um that people are just very on edge
1: yeah I'm sorry those experiences happened to you so what does that do to your psyche to your mental health when you're supposed to be feeling safe in this in your state or your home and you're just going out to the grocery store, what does that do to you in your mind and um, your emotions and how, how are your behaviors affected by that?
2: Definitely. And as someone that does like, has struggled with anxiety um, and um, it yeah it drives me crazy a little bit. Cause you feel like you're being paranoid. Like, am I imagining this? But it's not just you, it's everybody else that's feeling it too. Oh yeah. And so like, so like we're in the middle of a garage sale right now, and like, my, I I see my brother's baseball bat, and I bring it over, and I'm like, "This is not for sale," and so, <laughs> and so it's like, um, it's it sounds a little extreme, but, um, I think everyone understood, like right away, that it was for self defense and right. not. And it was it was just so eerie that, that it was just right. like, yeah, I understand why you have that here. Yeah. Or like, are like my my like brother-in-law making sure that he keeps, um, like other things like to keep us safe. Like people that like carry feeling like they need to be carrying, or just me like making sure the door is locked constantly, right, and stuff like that. It's just yeah, not feeling safe, but it's really sad because it is where you,
0: I grew up.
1: Yeah, it's sort of um taking extra precautions, but also being. Uh, I sometimes you call it hyper vigilant
0: a little bit yeah,
2: yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, so yeah, feeling crazy, but also not feeling safe and still wanting to be kind and act in kindness and believe the best in people, but also expecting the worst
1: right, but and those are your words, but you know um you're not crazy or anything <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's the, there's a there's feelings of anxiety and fear that's real mm-hmm. that you're going through right now over there. Um, you know, what? this could perpetuate social anxiety for you and for other people listening and also anxiety in general. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going through it right now with the racism and, and the climate that's happening around you. You're in it right now. What are you doing right now to help keep you going? Um, are you do, writing any more music or are you performing any music, doing videos, anything?
0: hmm
2: So not? the past, the past few weeks have, like, I was in the middle of, like, writing and stuff, but, like, whenever, when all this stuff started to go down, I was very much, well, at first it was, like, very numb and kind of, like, in shock and kind of processing everything. And then, like, in a couple of days, I, I think I hit the ground running in activist mode and yeah. I haven't really stopped since then. And so I think right now I'm kind of um, trying to channel that creatively a little bit more. Right, right. So I'll probably start writing more, but yeah, the last few weeks has just been kind of me yeah, going yeah. and processing everything. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. because I am Indian,
0: yeah, I yeah. also
2: want to like, before I share experiences or anything, like I like to make sure that I just kind of preface it saying that I'm not black and that the experiences the black people have gone through is very specific to them and their communities and their history. And so just being respectful of that and to honor them as people and what they have gone through. Like, I want to just preface that, even though all minorities go through stuff,
0: Yeah, I
2: just want to be respectful of that. And so, um, also, so when I like, do have conversations with people to, like, talk these things out in healing and stuff, like, I still want to give them that space, too, and make sure that they have, like, they have the mic yeah. and that they have the preference for the mic. It's very so for me,
0: yeah.
2: Yeah. And, like, and if, for other people listening, too, like, if you're another minority and, and you're in the room with another Black person, like, yeah, maybe give them a chance to share their experience. Um, yeah, like. I, I have gone through experiences. My family like really terrible stuff, but um, yeah, just give them a a chance to to heal.
0: Yeah, and like
2: we'll we'll all heal together. But yeah, I think I think that the Black lives are at the forefront of this movement right now. So
0: yeah, um, yeah, yeah. just give
2: them the room. So for for me and my family, um, family calls are pretty great.
1: Family calls, it's great.
2: Family like, calls because like I have like aunts and uncles that grew up in Minnesota too, right. and so like. Yeah, so they understand, like, very similarly. We went through the same experience. So those calls are very helpful.
0: So you you also have family calls. I'm sorry? You write, write, and you have family Family calls.
2: Yes, so calls with people that, um, if if you're able to find, like, people that have similar experiences to yours, as in, like, an upbringing, or they had a similar kind of, yeah, life experience to you, maybe kind of – try, if you want to do venting, vent out with them, because in a mixed group of races, like, I don't want to sound like I'm, like, segregating people, this sounds, comes across wrong, but, yeah, just aware that every group goes through something specific, and you don't want to be fighting over each other to see who's hurting more, and stuff like that, because, yeah, that's,
0: yeah,
2: work against healing, and just
1: create division, and, and yeah, whose oppression or whose whose experiences with r- racism is more impactful or more hurtful than the other person? It's sort of yeah. right now, and it's always been the marginalized. The marginalized were always oppressed, but Black Americans, mm-hmm. Black men, Black women mm-hmm. had it very different and worse than, yes. in my opinion, other races, including our race as well.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah.
1: I totally get you I totally hear you with mm-hmm. that.
2: and not to yeah not to minimize anyone's pain
1: right. but
2: just just taking in the reality of it
1: and the worst thing someone can do is if if someone is talking about their race, the racist experiences that they've had the mm-hmm. one can do is is dismiss it or say no that's not what it was it's wrong. yeah
2: you don't want to do that either because like a lot of this like um I think it was Dr. Anita Phillips if you've heard her, she's like really great and she's really great. You should check out her stuff too. Um, She was comparing racism to abuse and it was like such like an, like a huge eye opener. And that was kind of what like made me kind of get on the track of like, Oh, I really need, probably need healing in this. Uh, But, um, with that in mind, like abuse is abuse. Yeah. yeah. You know, like it's not okay to tell like people have gone through abuse. Your abuse is worse than that since abuse. You know, it's each person's trauma is still trauma. Exactly. Yeah. So just, it's, it's really hard to navigate all this. It's, there's no right way. It's just trying to, trying to be um, mindful and of people's, yeah, of people's history of their pain. And um, we need to be gracious to each other, but also very mindful and make sure that we're doing our best.
1: Exactly. Yeah. You hit the nail on the head. Um, well, I want to thank you so much for sharing your experiences and how you came out of social anxiety and all of your opinions about Black Lives Matter. Um, I really am looking forward to new music I called I call that music therapy by the way what you did music therapy helped you get that.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh of course yeah.
1: <laughs> music therapy is the best. Um, retail therapy is fun too but
2: <laughs> I'm sorry oh, oh, retail therapy oh yes.
1: <laughs> Um, music therapy is is definitely
0: pretty awesome
1: so that is debbie dawson and you can follow her on instagram um you want to give your instagram again yeah it's
2: at debbie dawson d-e-b-b-i-i-d-a-w-s-o-n
1: and her song is called red chevy um on Rico loves album of um what's the name of the album about r&b
2: Mm-hmm. emerging women of r&b music
1: emerging, emerging women of r&b music i want to thank you so much deb you're amazing you're awesome
0: and everyone check her out see you next time or hear you next time bye mm-hmm.